welcome to the Awakening Church podcast. We exist to awaken this generation to new life in Christ. Thanks for tuning in. To find out more, go to awakeningchurch.com. I want to jump right into God's Word. If you have a print or electronic version, um, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. What a great series to know that we're gifted by God. And um, just a reminder that God's work in us is for us to be flourishing and to be fruitful. What I get amazed at is that he invites us to personal transformation. Are you glad he keeps changing you? Uh, My wife will tell you I still need some change after 39 years, but I have a few more to get it right. But he's, aren't you noticing in your life, and, and by the way, if you're newer to faith, welcome You found a great family that's on a journey together, and we believe that God is a good, good father. And as I was singing that this morning, there are some here you need to know that perhaps your fathers and mothers weren't as good as they should have been. Perhaps it's even been really difficult. We want you to know that the one we're worshiping this morning can heal and deliver and change and make up for what our natural families couldn't do. So I want you to receive that today. Let the, Lord, let the Lord come in and remind you that he is really a good, good father. But I'm, I'm amazed that God wants to keep changing us, but he also invites us to partner with him in mission. In fact, I call this divine humility and inefficiency. Now, I'm in Silicon Valley. I grew up here. I'm a Leland Charger, class of 76. You already heard I'm a three-time banana slug. Still came out a Christian, it's okay. <laughs> I, lo- I love the valley. And uh, don't always love the commute traffic, but I love the valley. Um, but I get amazed. It was in this valley that the Dolby brothers worked for Ampex, right off of 101 in Redwood City, and they asked Ampex for their own lab. Ampex said no. They're down to 200 people. I think you've heard of Dolby. Why doesn't God just put Dolby surround in the sky, give us 5G revelation, and be done? It'd be so much more efficient, right? But he gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the gifts in order that we would partner with him in mission. He wants to use us to be part of his world-changing life. And so just a couple reminders of the context for all the gifts and And uh, Pastor did such a great job last week introducing these gifts, and I just want to take one piece today in Corinthians, and it's going to be a little bit different kind of message, because people get a little spooked out by the manifestations of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians, but today we're going to be alive to the Spirit together, and we're going to wake up tomorrow being ready to be on mission. But just a reminder, God cares about our character His first work of the Spirit is to work the character of Jesus Christ in us. Dallas Willard said that your everyday work is the crucible of your character. Anybody have some character-building moments this week at work? Especially patience with those bosses, right? Folks, don't ever despise what you wake up and do every day. It's precisely where God's placed you so that the life of Jesus Christ can be poured into you and poured through you for the life of the world. God also gives us charisms, gives us gifts. That's what this series is about. Whether it's in Romans 12, seven examples of service, whether it's 1 Corinthians 12, we'll be talking about, 
Uh, We'll be talking about Ephesians. We'll be talking about other gifts. God gives natural and supernatural gifts. Aren't you glad? And we all have them. But he also gives us competencies. He gives us capabilities. We're able to do stuff. You know, there's some things that I can learn to do. I've learned to read spreadsheets. I've learned to read P&L forms. I've learned to even put siding up in a house. But there's some things that other people are, are made to do with competencies. I always hire plumbing and electrical. Anybody say amen. But God gives us competencies in order that we might serve him. And then he wants us to grow in capacity. Jesus says, I want you to abide in me so you bear fruit. Come on, Bible scholars, that we bear much fruit. That means we can grow in our capacity. And that doesn't mean fame, necessarily. It simply means that we give to, get to give Jesus a good return for all he's given to us. You know, my 40 years of ministry now have really been a thank you. And I want to say thank you to Awakening because it's a church just like this one that gave this teenager a chance to serve. It's a church just like Awakening that when my family imploded, you surrounded me, embraced me. But I had to go to the dry cleaner every Monday because of all the pancake from Grandma. It's a church just like Awakening. And I'm trying to say thank you with my life and ministry for you. Awakening, you'll never know what you're doing for each other and what you're doing for people yet to come. So God wants us to be fruitful and to grow in capacity. And God's gifts are natural and supernatural. Don't make a big separation there. If you're really good at something, can we thank God for it? Don't worry, I'm not going to lead you in a song this morning. That's what you have a worship team for. But but that's a gift from God just as much as a spontaneous utterance or a particular spiritual office. Natural and supernatural, they integrate together as long as we give it all to him. He gives us gifts to equip one another, to serve one another, to encourage one another, and to evangelize our world. Um, One day I was at West Valley College. You might have heard of the University of West Valley in Saratoga and uh, thousands of students, but I was invited to speak there. And I was asked to speak on the sovereignty of God and human freedom in a class led by an atheist. I was 20. And I was the visiting speaker. He was about 50 or 60. And uh, boy, I had lots of people praying for me. I did my scholarship, did my research. And in the course of that class, I shared that God really is in control and we really are free. How many of you know we've got to live with that paradox? Nothing catches God by surprise, and yet he weeps and laughs with us and walks with us through all the twists and turns of our life. But at the end of the class, I pointed to a young man in the back of the room who I'd never met, by the way, and I said, hey, Bernie, after this class, you're going to walk across the quad and you're going to get a Coke out of the machine and sit in the corner table and talk to your friends, aren't you? And the guy looked at me and said, how did you know my name was Bernie and how did you know that's what I do every day after class? I said, the same way God knows everything and you're still free to do it. Folks, four people came to Christ in the next six months from that moment. You see, what God gave me, and I wasn't in some kind of spooky Pentecostal service, everybody relax. (laughs) God gave me a word of knowledge in the middle of a normal conversation. 
Folks, spiritual gifts we're about to talk about aren't spooky. They aren't scary. They're given by God for His glory, the encouragement of others, and so that His kingdom can go forward. And chances are, you've been operating in some of these already. Aren't you glad He's present with us? He's with us and in us. So would you turn to 1 Corinthians 12, and let's just read a couple of verses to give a context And then we're going to look at these gifts and make application together and go from this place with a greater confidence that he's at work. 1 Corinthians 12, and let's begin with verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, that's where we get the word deacon, by the way, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities or energies but the same God. Let's just pause for a moment. Do you notice the Holy Trinity there? The Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father are all present, distributing all different kinds of gifts. To each is given the manifestation. Now we have a set of nine gifts that aren't permanent offices, but they're given by the Spirit, and here they are. The manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to the one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish or discern between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by the one and same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Do you notice it's the Holy Spirit that does this? Would you join me in a moment of prayer as we ask the Holy Spirit to take this word and make it alive? Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you're a good, good Father. And you know how to love us as only a perfect Father can. We thank you, Lord Jesus, you're the King of kings and you call us your friends. And you invite us to join you in mission. And Holy Spirit, we pray with the ancient church and today's church, we ask you to come in fresh power and wisdom in this moment and take the word of God in print and make it a live imprint in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. The manifestations of the Spirit. So this is one kind of, these are kinds of gifts that God gives. And the word here implies that these are moments that God comes and gives these. Now some people will exercise certain gifts more often than others, but don't think of these as permanent assignments. Some of you have more permanent assignments by God in serving or teaching. Those are other kinds of gifts that the pastors here will help you understand. But they're bestowed by the Spirit for the good of all. And they're more spontaneous. And let me just uh, kind of take the elephant in the room. Everybody gets a little nervous about these gifts. And I just want you to know that we don't get to tell God what gifts to bestow. Uh, God, I'd like these two, but not these two, please. Now, smile with me. He's not going to force a gift on you if you're not willing. He's not going to make you do a gift. What he wants us to do is be willing. We don't make it happen, but he's at work, and he wants us to be willing to be used by him. By the way, we're going to see more of these gifts outside the gathered church, not inside. 
One day I was a pastor up in Oregon. I shared with some friends this morning. We spent four years in Salem, Oregon, had the joy of teaching at George Fox University as well, and um, had some challenges, but saw some great things in the city. And uh, one day I was asking God, crying out to God, why don't we see more New Testament miracles? And uh, apart from the extreme, God doesn't do that anymore, can we, just deal, can, we, can we just agree God still does good stuff? All right, so let's put that extreme aside. And apart from the other extreme that we try to make it up ourselves, how about, how about, how about we put those aside today? And the Lord spoke to me, and you understand when I say that, there was not organ, Bach was not playing the organ, I didn't hear an audible voice. But in my spirit, he took me to the Gospels that Jesus performed his signs and wonders primarily on mission, not for the religious leaders. We can expect more supernatural expressions of whatever kind God chooses when we're out concerned with his glory and the good of others and not just concerned with our own feelings. So awakening, do you believe your name is a prophetic word from God? Do you believe that we're part of something God's doing? Get ready for God to express these and other gifts through you as you go out your regular daily work. God loves to do this. So let's look at each of the gifts just very briefly. And I've divided them into kind of verbal gifts, inner gifts of perception, and expressions of power. Other people can have all kinds of categories, and there's a lot of smarter exegetes than me. But God gives sometimes a word or utterance of wisdom. What this refers to, if you're taking notes, it just means that in that moment, we're aware of a direction, of an insight that we didn't study or learn on our own. God makes us aware usually for others and for the body, and for others outside, he makes us aware. And as you're taking a note here, most often it's best to express this in a form of a question. Hey, are you struggling with this? Are you praying about this? Are you thinking about this? I can't tell you how many times I've been in a conversation, and I'm just aware of a situation in someone's life, and their need of wisdom, and I ask a question, and it opens the door to divine blessing. Of course, its companion is the word or utterance of knowledge. Information we didn't learn from Google. I know there's a, it's a surprise, but you don't always have to go online to learn something. And I love academia. I love learning. I get to be around really smart people and distill what they say for others. But folks, there are times the Holy Spirit just comes with knowledge and awareness so I want us just to take a moment and realize so that it, it's, it's not spooky. It's the Holy Spirit giving us something for the good of someone else. And in fact, I had somebody come up to me one day, a friend of mine, he goes, Charlie, you're a sneaky prophet. I thought, oh no, what are you? He goes, you don't actually stand up and prophesy. You just sort of say a few things quietly and suddenly I realized I just got a word from God from you. Folks, some of you, God wants to use you in words of wisdom, words of knowledge. Let's keep going. Speaking with tongues and interpreting tongues. This is the scary one for everybody. Can we just say it? Come on, smile. Are you one of those folks that speaks in tongues? And I'll say yes. 
and you're still sane? You know, Folks, God gives by his grace the ability to praise him and pray in a language we didn't learn at home or school. What a beautiful gift. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that when we pray in an unknown tongue, we are edifying our spirit and we're speaking mysteries to God. So that gift can be private, but if it's used publicly in a way that the leadership has deigned it to be used, then it needs interpretation. Because if you just hear me speak with a tongue, you might say, well, he's being blessed, but I don't know what he's doing. You need the interpretation. And let me have you jot something else down. The interpretation of a tongue will most often be a prayer or a praise. Because if God has a word for the church, he's going to give it through the word of prophecy. Now, why does God give these gifts? I don't have a full answer, but I want to have you not be afraid. I don't want you to be afraid, and I'm not here to give you a particular construct of how the Holy Spirit's supposed to touch you, except to ask that we would all be open to all of his gifts. Aren't you glad that he takes our inarticulate sighs and groanings and tears and joys, and he makes them music, doesn't he? Can you say amen? Aren't you glad, too, that he doesn't want us just to have private ecstasy, but he wants public edification? And so, for those of you who do have this gift, boy, exercise it in private and enjoy it. Check in with leadership in terms of how it may be exercised in public. But in all cases, thank God for it. But it doesn't make anyone superior. These Corinthians weren't superior to anybody. See, folks, enthusiasm is not maturity. Ecstasy needs to be joined with ethics. God gives gifts to people that are brand new in the faith, and you can never earn them. Let's keep going. because um, He gives us the gift of prophecy, this, this edification, this comfort. And by the way, prophecy is not in first-person King James English. When I, was a, when I was a youngster in some churches, you, you knew God was speaking when someone said, Yea, verily, I say unto thee. I thought, I guess God spoke that way in the 17th century. Folks, prophecy is as, can be as simple as one of your pastors standing here says, you know, I think the Lord is really calling us to do this. Have you ever been in a service at Awakening? Pastor Ryan's preaching, and there's something that happens in a sentence or two or a paragraph or two. Have you had this happen? Where suddenly it's like it's supercharged. And the Holy Spirit is taking that, and he's doing something in the body that even Pastor Ryan didn't prepare. Folks, the spirit of prophecy is alive and well. And so I want you to be open. Not, now, there may be times, and again, I, I leave the administration of this up to your leaders, but there may be times in settings that God gives you a sense of direction and comfort or challenge. Speak it with humility and watch the Lord use it. God also gives a couple of inner gifts. He gives the gift of faith. Now, there's three types of faith in the Bible. One is saving faith. To believe that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he died from, for our sins and he rose from the dead. Aren't you glad we can be saved by faith? And for some of you here, maybe you haven't made that decision. Maybe you've been on the edges of thinking about being a follower of Jesus Christ. The most extraordinary thing about this followership of Christ is that you can't earn it. You can never deserve it. You have to receive it with the empty hands of faith and say, Lord, forgive my sins. I give you control of my life. 
When you do that sincerely, everything changes in a moment. And you begin a new life with him. How many of you know we can also have growing faith? The faith that moves mountains. The faith that can just is, we're supposed to keep growing in our faith. But then there are moments that God bestows extraordinary faith in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of just, it's usually combined with other gifts, where we just know God's going to work in a particular way. Be open to this. Something, again, you can't manufacture. And then there are expressions of power. There are gifts of healing. In fact, this has been the plural. Can we thank God that he's a good, good father and that he gives us healing? He heals emotions. He heals bodies. And by the way, I want you to take note of this. Every gift of healing is a down payment of the future. You see, God's not taking us back to the Garden of Eden. He's taking us forward to the New Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit is called God's guarantee of the future, God's down payment. Those of you in real estate, it's a good thing to get a down payment. Those of you trying to get a down payment, it's a good thing to get a down payment. Folks, the Holy Spirit is God himself as the guarantee of our future. So when God heals, that's that future resurrection power coming into the present in order to glorify his name. I had one Argentine evangelist. One night he was preaching the gospel and hundreds came to Christ and scores of people were healed. And again, no manipulation. God just bestowed healing. And he seemed that night to heal people of various mouth diseases, various problems with their jaws and their teeth and just different things. And he goes, and the next day my kids went to the dentist. I can't tell you why. In, in one moment God heals completely, in another moment we go through a long process. Uh, my dear wife slipped on some ice six months ago, and I'm glad she's out of her boot and walking again. Um, but, but she went through a healing process, and we're grateful for it. I thank God for that young orthopedic surgeon that has kept her from arthritis in the future. By the way, we've had other moments when healing was more instantaneous. But God loves, don't stop praying for it. Don't stop believing for it and live with the paradox that most often it comes as we go out in mission. And then he tells us to be, um, he tells us that he does workings of miracles, signs and wonders. Anybody ever seen a picture of the Washington Mall, Washington DC Mall? That huge rectangle. You think of Martin Luther King's great I Have a Dream speech, or you think of other moments in our history. Well, we had dear friends years ago who were witnessing on July 4th on the mall. And they were giving out drinks and they were giving out chili. I don't know why chili, but they gave out chili. And they had enough chili for about 250 people. And that day, they gave out chili to 500 people and took half of it home without ever replenishing it. They never ran out of chili. My friend said, I've not replicated that in my kitchen ever since. They were on mission. I can't tell you how many missionaries have driven 100 kilometers on an empty tank of gas to preach the gospel. And God loves to work miracles. I went a little quickly and I skipped this discerning of the spirits, another inner gift. God can show us the origin of a particular gift or an idea Understanding the spirit of a, of a situation. 
What's going on? How's God working? How's the enemy working? God wants to give us that discernment. But all of these gifts, as I bring this to a close and we get ready to be commissioned today, all of these gifts are for his glory, for the edification of the body. So what are the challenges? Why are these gifts a challenge to us? Well, first of all, we can have bad theology. There's two extremes. One is that God doesn't do this stuff anymore. And, and may the Lord just bless our sisters and brothers that think that way. Usually they've had a bad experience, given them an allergy to the real thing. Or you have the other extreme, where that's all that people are pursuing. In fact, they want to get their ecstasy, but they don't really care about ethics. They, they care more about the experience than they care about evangelism. So what do you say we get rid of the extremes today, amen? And let our theology be clear. Also, we have personal experiences. Sometimes we've had some negative experiences with people who've tried to exercise the gifts, or we're afraid of messing up. And that's why most often these things occur in small groups and family groups and just places where we can learn how the God's speaking to us and learn what's the voice of God, or as I like to say, what's pizza and what's the paraclete, right? What's, what's my own thinking and what's God's thinking? So we need to learn that, but don't be afraid. Folks, within the right context, we only learn by doing. Don't be afraid. And the other thing is, we need the challenge in our community is to know how God wants us to exercise this. So in the coming months and years, as the Lord leads the leadership of awakening, how we exercise these gifts in our family will be led by the leadership. And so in churches large and small, there are different ways these are administrated, different ways these are expressed. And the Holy Spirit actually will lead the leaders in leading us how to do it. Thanks be to God for good leadership. So how do we enjoy God's gifts? How do we, how do we just enjoy this? Well, first of all, we need to be people of humility. These are gifts bestowed by the Spirit. So we humble ourselves and say, Lord, I'm open to anything you want to do in this moment. Secondly, we need to be open to maturity, to learning as we go, and to... Um, by the way, let me give you an interesting new prayer you can pray. And I'm going to show my age here. Okay? There's an old cartoon. You're going to remember this and forget all the great theology. There's an old cartoon called Bugs Bunny. Okay? And what's his famous line when he says hi to somebody? What's up, Doc? I want to encourage you to start praying Bugs Bunny prayers. Have you ever just gone to the Lord and said, Lord, what's on your heart today? Have you been at work? Doing your work, doing it well, focused well, but in between a task looking at the cubicles or looking at the friends standing around you, whatever context you're in? Have you ever just said, Lord, is there, is there a way I'm supposed to pray? Is there a word I'm supposed to... Have you ever said, what's up, God? And that'll be part of the maturity. And then, to enjoy God's gifts, we need the safety of knowing that it's all about Christ being glorified. These gifts aren't about us. They're about him. They encourage us, they strengthen us, but they're all about the Lord. 
You know, it's really interesting. Um, one day, my professor at Santa Cruz called me, and I was doing my doctoral work, and I had a class in Latin American history, part of that, master, that third master's I did, or second master's that I did, that third degree. By the way, academics can be three degrees or five. Um, and the teacher called. He could barely speak. He came down with laryngitis, and he called, and he said, Charlie, could you please do a lecture tomorrow on Jesus? Let me think about this for a minute. You see, he had the integrity. He wasn't a Christian himself, but he had the integrity to know you can't understand Latin America without understanding the Catholic history, and you can't understand Catholic history without understanding Christian history, the broader Christian story, and that all goes back to Jesus. I said, I'd be delighted to speak about Jesus. And I got off the phone, and I, and I got to my knees. It's not hard to talk about. I said, Lord, show me. And the Lord gave me in that moment an awareness that we have four beautiful portraits of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one specifically written by the Spirit through a real person for their communities. And so the next day I just gave the four portraits of Jesus to this graduate class. And these were, these were bright men and women. They all had to write essays on my lecture. I found out later that six people came to Christ in the next four to six months as a result of that lecture. The university guy in the back of the room who'd been praying the whole time came up later and told me that. But they all wrote, all but a handful, and those were the university people in the back of the room, all but a handful said, I never knew this Jesus existed. I never knew he was so smart and wise as in Matthew. I never knew he was a man of action like Mark. I never knew he was a liberator of women and the poor like the book of Luke. I never knew that he's wisdom embodied in life in John. They never knew this Jesus. Now, I had studied, I had been to seminary. It wasn't that I had nothing to say, but I needed the Spirit's wisdom to know how to say it in that context. Folks, whatever context we're in, he's there to help us. So let's make some application as we prepare to pray today. First of all, do we believe these gifts are available? Do we believe? Will we let go of our negative history and our, our pictures of televangelists or our pictures of certain kinds of services? By the way, I teach Pentecostal leaders at the doctoral level how to reintroduce Pentecostal life in the 21st century and not make it their grandfather's church. Folks, it's not a style. It's not a personality. It's not an expression. It's the Holy Spirit active in our accent and our context right now. Don't be afraid. He speaks in your accent. He likes using you and me as we are. Can we let go of negative history? Can we be correctable? I got to tell you one more story, and I'm almost over time, but you're being gracious. One more story. In my church in Oregon, we, did give, we gave a small space. We were a smaller church. So we gave a space for scripture to be read or somebody to share a word. It was very orderly. And we had a dear lady named Eunice, and she's gone to be with the Lord, so I'm safe to use her name. And Eunice would give about eight sentences of a word of prophecy. Not, nothing dramatic, just a simple, simple statements. The first four sentences were from the Lord, and the last four were the favorite preachers she had heard that week on TV. 
We called it the Eunice Factor. So I'm new pastor there, and I just said, I affirmed, by the way, nothing she said was negative, but I affirmed the first four sentences. And the body responded. We went back to worship. She came up to me and she said, Pastor, you didn't affirm my word. I said, well, I sure did. That first part was amazing. Yeah, but what about the second part? I said, that was really creative, but I don't think it was as on. Well, she was offended and threatened to leave the church, and I wasn't spiritual. You know how those things go. The good news is she didn't do any of that. She came back and said, you know, I think I can still grow. The next time she shared, the first six sentences were really good, and there were only two preacher sentences at the end. And she learned. She learned. Again, I'm not, I'm not here to landscape how this church is going to experience these things. I'm only here to tell you they're not just available here in the gathering. They're available 24-7. And finally, will we seek a fresh empowerment of the Spirit? And for all of you from whatever background or no background you may be, what the book of Acts is about and that bestowal of the Spirit is to have God's mission go forward. The first time the Holy Spirit is poured out in Acts, those 120 praise God in new languages and are released to bring the gospel to their local area. The Holy Spirit's poured out again to the same group as they're under persecution in chapter 4. Then in chapter 8, God just has a sense of humor and he decides to pour it out to the Samaritans, the enemies of the apostles. And now we have Jews and Samaritans, enemies now friends. And then even St. Peter has to get a special revelation. And God decides to pour out his spirit to God-fearing people in the household of Cornelius in chapter 10. I love Peter. He's going, wow, I guess God doesn't show favorites. And the Holy Spirit's poured out, and they're, they're praising God, and they're prophesying. And so Peter turns to a friend and says, well, I guess we can baptize these folks now, can't we? And then in chapter 11, we don't even know who started the church in Antioch. But the Spirit's poured out again. And folks, the goal of those outpourings isn't the expression, although they're wonderful, tongues and prophecy and other expressions are wonderful. The goal isn't the expression. The goal is the evangelization of the world. Do you believe he wants to reach this generation? It's through us. God's work in the world takes place through we who spend our days working. Somebody asked me as a history professor, how did the church grow? And I said, one worker told another worker about Jesus. The apostles do great work. Our missionaries do great work. Our pastors and evangelists are needed. They are the catalysts. They are the encouragers. They are the equippers. They are the ones that help propel us. But folks, we, the spirit-empowered people of God, are called by God to partner with him in mission. And all of these gifts are ours on Monday morning as well as Sunday morning. Would you pray with me as we open our hands and hearts to a fresh empowerment of the Spirit. Our gracious and loving God, we thank you and praise you that we don't have to be afraid. You're a good, good father that gives good gifts to your children. And if we ask you for bread, you won't give us a stone. If we ask you for a fish, Lord, you won't give us a serpent or a spider. God, you give good gifts. So we're asking for the, a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. Would you do that right now? Quietly but verbally, would you say, Lord, I'm open to whatever you want to do in me and through me for your glory. I'm open to all your gifts, even with my fears, even with my history. Lord, I'm open to your gifts in order that you would be glorified.
Would you right now pray for a family member, a co-worker, a neighbor that needs Jesus? Would you pray for them right now? Would you name them to God? Would you name people at school or work, neighborhood? Lord, I am open to your gifts that these friends might be reconciled to you and that heaven may grow. We thank you, Lord. You are good and your gifts are good. In Jesus' name we pray.